staying in contact. I'm London Mitchell. So, you begin researching your family tree. How exciting it would be to find out you were related to an American legend. And how distressing it could be to find out you have ancestors involved in an American disgrace. This is what happened to my guest this week, Doug Forsyth, Associate Professor of History at Bowling Green State University. In a recent talk, Dr. Forsyth said, he realized you cannot separate your family history from real history. I began our discussion by asking him what he meant by that. Well, I think if you go to graduate school in history and you, you know, you study history uh, with the aim of becoming a professional, there's an injunction against antiquarianism, against, uh, you know, a mere assemblage of facts. And uh, uh, you're supposed to, uh, you know, you're kind of taught in graduate school that you're supposed to be looking at big processes, trying to explain big political and macro sociological uh, processes and that you're doing something different from antiquarianism and family history of course always look like antiquarianism that term antiquarianism is kind of a new one for me <laughs> this is a kind of a distinction i guess that professional historians have been making trying to distinguish what they did from uh, you know people who are just curious about their about their families or about the communities that they grew up in this whole concept of of Tracing back your history, the the genetics to find out who was your great grandfather and who was your great great grandfather, it really doesn't account for the history or why an ancestor moved from this country to that country or came to America, and we're missing out by not investigating that. Yes, I, I mean, uh, uh, it, it's it's. Quite clear. I mean, the minute you start trying to to um, understand uh, what what the decisions that your ancestors made and and why their lives uh, worked out the way they did, you have to start asking those larger questions that does put your your family history in a larger context. So, I, I agree completely. If you don't mind, let me take a a look at, at your personal history. Some of the some of the things you have found, and the one that I that I think is especially interesting is you were able to trace your history back, your family history back. You have a common ancestor with Daniel Boone. Yeah, I'm descended. It turns out from his um, from his nephew uh, Jesse. And Jesse's parents uh, died in his youth uh, of tuberculosis in North Carolina. And um, Daniel and Rebecca Boone actually adopted him and raised him as a son. Uh, and so, yeah, I found I was related to the Boone families. And it's kind of funny in the process of doing this family history because um, it, it's taken me a couple of summers, you know, to, to reconstruct uh, my family to the point that I have now. And for much of that time, I found very few names uh, of anybody whom I had ever heard of before. <laughs> and then suddenly I discovered I was uh, a direct descendant of the Boons, not not of Daniel, mind you. He's a, I think Daniel Boone is an eighth gr uh, great uncle, <laughs> but but I'm descended from his uh, from his nephew, Jesse, his brother, Israel, and his father, Squire Boone. Do you have any, any indication that uh, you have a, a predisposition to exploring or frontierism <laughs> you know when i was a young man i um 
I used to lead uh, micro expeditions across mountain ranges in Oregon and the Pacific Northwest in the winter in January. <laughs> so there you I go, suppose, it's in your blood. I suppose there could be some atavistic connection there. I think it's fascinating. My own story, why was it that my grandfather, who died when my own dad was just a teenager, why did he move from Ukraine and and make a dangerous journey uh, out of Ukraine, across Europe, to the United States. Why did he do that? And and I'm trying to put together pieces of that family history because I believe that when you when you understand the past and why people did things, you have a better accountability for what's going on now. I I think that's true. One of I, I'm I'm giving it in a series which is dedicated to teaching, and I, I think that I'm going to be able to draw on my own family history a bit in my teaching. I mean. In some respects, I've already started. I found out I was descended from coal miners. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, in my history classes, we deal with coal mining. And so I've been able to use that uh, already. Uh, like you, I mean, I don't know uh, what the precise circumstances of your family's uh, immigration from Ukraine are, but I could imagine that uh, that they were escaping either from poverty or from violence. And that is the Western Pale of Settlement in the old Russian Empire. I've found some uh, cases of escape from violence in my own family history. It turns out that one line of my family were French Huguenot uh, that had to flee from France after the revocation of the Edict of Nantes in 1685, when the French monarchy started persecuting Protestants again, and they wound up in uh, the Spitalfields neighborhood in London, where a lot of Huguenot refugees concentrated. Uh, it's still a neighborhood with a large uh, 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 population of immigrants today, many of them from Bangladesh. How do you how do you actually start digging for information or verification on your family history? Where do you begin? Yeah, so this is the shock for me, uh, and that is just um, how voluminous the records that have been accumulated by Ancestry.com are. I guess I started out, the, re the reason I started this project was because an aging aunt uh, gave me some family heirlooms and uh, a, a modest family archive. And I thought that I owed it to my aunt to um, try to figure out uh, who the people were that had, you know, uh, uh, had created these some of the a couple of these family family heirlooms and and a few things about them and so I started reading through the documents in this uh, family uh, archive and I thought that I would subscribe to Ancestry.com it's one of these companies that as assembles a lot it's uh, close to the Mormon Church you probably know that and it assembles a lot of documents which are in the public domain and, and um, makes them digitally searchable. And when I started the project, I thought, well, you know, I'll take out a subscription to Ancestry.com. It'll probably take me a couple of weeks or maybe at most a month to work through the material that's there. And then I'll enlist uh, one of our librarians at BG, actually an emeritus librarian um, uh, named Carol Singer, who uh, helps people uh, do family history, uh, especially now that she's retired. I'll ask Carol to help me a bit, and uh, you know, this we'll we'll trace this project back as far as it'll go, and it'll take six weeks uh, at most. But to my shock, I discovered tens of thousands of documents on Ancestry.com uh, for me to sift through. And of course, you know, the the website is set up in such a way that you can kind of piggyback on research that other people have already done already, who people who share common ancestors with uh, with you. 
Uh, and there's such a, uh, an enormous amount of information there. I mean, the first thing you have to realize is that all the U.S. Census information is there, okay, going all the way back to 1790. Uh, that is to say, all the U.S. Census information is on the site that's been preserved because there was a fire and, you know, some one important year, I think it was 1900, was partially uh, destroyed. Uh, and I'm still haven't made it through all that information yet. You know, ancestry.com users also upload things to the sites. I found myself one of the, one of the names in my family is McComas, and I found myself um, studying the hand uh, written family tree information uh, on uh, the leaves of a family Bible. Uh, you know that have been uploaded to the to the site. I still haven't made it through all this information yet. And I've been able to trace uh, some lines of my family back as far as as 13 generations, uh, which I would never have predicted when I started this. One of the other fascinating pieces in uh, in your presentation is that you're able to trace your history all the way back to the Revolutionary War. Yeah, that's right. You know, so when I started this project, I knew that uh, I have a great grandfather, the one named Forsyth with my last name. I knew that he came from Scotland in the second half of the 19th century. And I just assumed that most of my family uh, came to the United States during the Great Migration uh, from Europe in the age of the ocean steamer, uh, you know, in the second half of the 19th century, like like that great grandfather. But it turns out that that wasn't the case at all. It turns out that my mother's entire family was already here in 1776 at the time uh, of the Declaration of Independence. And even uh, about a tenth of my father's family was already here. And one of the striking things I found was uh, patriots, uh, these, uh, you know, people who participated in the Revolutionary War, uh, one after another. First, I found two, and then I found four, and then it was six, and now it's up to eight. Uh, I think that I could um, I could file uh, uh, an application for membership in the Sons of the American Revolution based on descent from eight individuals. Um, at the same time, when I started discovering these patriots by you know working the family lines back uh, to the era of the American Revolution, I started running across evidence that I'm descended from enslavers. And it was people on the same family lines that I was finding, you know, that owned uh, slaves, and in many cases, the same people. Uh, and so I was confronted with the reality that if you come from an old American family, uh, that the good and the bad aspects of American history are liable to be intertwined in your family history. That must have come as quite a surprise to you, the fact that some family members were slave owners. Yeah, you know, the strange thing about this is it did come as a surprise to me. And, and it's, I think that this is a, a reflection of my own naivete uh, about these things. Uh, I started telling my colleagues who are actually, I, I, I'm, by the way, I, I'm, I'm a professional historian, but I, I mostly, most of my research and writing has been about Europe and not about the United States. And I started talking to my colleagues who do American history about this, and their response was basically, well, what did you expect to find, right? Uh, how could you have not realized that you were going to find enslavers in your family tree if your family has been in this country uh, for this uh, for this long? But I told myself, you know, my father's family, they, they lived in Philadelphia, and I told myself, well, that's north of the Mason-Dixon line, we're probably not going to find slavery there. I knew that my mother's family came from uh, the Ozarks in Missouri and from East Kentucky, 
but they were very humble people. And I told myself that uh, they probably never had uh, the resources to acquire slaves. Uh, and indeed, I found a lot of poverty on, on the, my mother's side of the family. But uh, you trace certain lines back and you find pockets of wealth. And the minute people accumulate money in the South, uh, in, in the era before the Civil War, they buy slaves. What do you think we get from examining our own family history as to how we understand America today? Yeah, so, you know, I think the, the the most important lesson that I've drawn from this, I mean, it's certainly been enlightening to discover uh, all of those people who fought in the Revolutionary War. I have, you know, some of them were enlisted men, some of them were officers. Uh, they fought in a number of important battles. Uh, uh, one of them fought with distinction at the Battle of Kings Mountain in uh in uh in the Carolinas, which was a decisive battle in the in the Revolutionary War. Uh but for me, uh I think it's been important for me to realize how deeply implicated my own family is in its history uh in uh the institution of slavery. Uh and it seems to me that this is really something that's teachable too. Uh and um I think that if more Americans did their family trees. Uh, they, you're going to find these records about slavery because they're very conspicuous, right? Um, you're going to find them on the U.S. Census forms, and you're going to find them in um, uh, in wills, uh, in, uh, property inventories in wills, and these are important sources for genealogists. That they're uh, among the fundamental sources for reconstructing family history in the first place. And you just can't look at that, uh, at those documents without um, being confronted with the reality of, of slavery. Uh, and uh, I think that um, uh, we're really only coming to terms uh, with uh, the significance of the institution of slavery in American history today. And doing family history could be a part of that coming to terms. That's the central message of my talk. I want to thank Douglas Forsyth for sharing his story, reminding us that in his words, the good and bad are intertwined in the history of this country and our personal histories. That's our program for this week. I'm London Mitchell, inviting you to join us again next week, staying in contact.